0: Okay, chapter three of Hebrews. Oh, an annual fundraising ban- uh, banquet for first choice. Now, since we've started, I think, uh, I want to say this church started in 2007. At least that's what my ordination says it did. Uh, not in this building. I mean, we were over to Champions on Sunday morning, different places and uh, governors and different things we've tried. And I think we've been here about, I want to say, about nine years or so. But, um, and I've talked through the in- entire Bible. And uh, when we first landed here, we were involved in first, uh, first Choice Pregnancy Resource Center. It wasn't called that at that time, it was called something else. Um, and we've been involved with them right along. And I'm very proud about what this church has done as far as I don't know we're second to anybody as far as involvement and stuff. So they have their annual banquet coming up. And, you know, if you can't make it, send a check. I know some of you do that on a monthly basis anyway. And that's fine. Um, but if I it's just as good if you're there and everyone's there and we have good time and all that good stuff. So that's coming up and that is ten seventeen. It's a Thursday night and it's seven to nine. And they don't keep you like way late till like eleven thirty something, especially you know, you're gonna be working the next day and all that. So and a good time will be had by all. It's over the Elks in um in Waterville. The venue is nice, the food's nice. The fellowship is sweet it's just it's all just a good time okay, Hebrews chapter three let's pray, Father my God, as we open your word, i count um, i I rely on you, Holy Spirit of God, to do the thing that i can't do. I can study and I can communicate and but you know, your word says deep calleth to deep. You, you speak to us in a way in, a, in the deep things of our heart where only you can get to. And I, and I pray and I trust that, you know, having been in your word here today, it would be a tremendous benefit that you would speak to us in a way, like I say, Lord, only you can. That's why you'll get all the glory when this is all said and done. And that's fine with me. So bless your word, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. It went. Amen. Uh, wherefore. And you always well, where's the wherefore, therefore? Or if it's therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because it, it always reflects back to what's gone before. Now, in chapter 1, we look at Jesus Christ as the creator, God. We look at him as greater than the angels. Here in chapter 2, he's made a little lower than the angels because he's greater than the angels, because it gets him to a place where he can be promoted above the angels, inherit all things, but when he was made a little lower than the angels, too wet, he was made man. And I always say this. I always want to say this. Jesus didn't lose his divinity when, he, when he, he added humanity to his resume. And he didn't lose his divinity one with. He was 100% divine and 100% human. And he's that today. 100% of the time. So he became man. Why? To save us. And And it talks about uh, it became him in verse 10, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It completed Jesus Christ to go to the cross. It completed the plan of God. It completed your redemption and many other things. And it goes on and it says uh, many things, and I can't, if I spend all time there, we're not going to get any new Make any headway. We're not going to cover any new ground. But look at verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to uh, succor them that are tempted. The King James does not shine. I like King James most all the time. Here, succor, what is that all about? You know, you, you pull the wool over somebody's eyes, you say, succor. Is that what that's all about? In French, succor means help. You know, if somebody's in distress in Paris, succor, succor, they will say, help me. Uh, here, it, and even in, when it's put in English, and we, it's kind of a, we don't use that word much anymore. I mean, it's still in your dictionary as help, but it, it doesn't even mean that. It means to run to the rescue of. Now, does anyone know Jesus Christ as, or, as someone who's run to their rescue? I think there's two types of people, and i would say three, two types. People who understand when you call to Jesus, he shows up. And people have never called to Jesus. Those are the two categories. There's only two categories I know. And I'll give you a third category. Those who, when they call out to Jesus, he'll say, oh, here I am. Oh, great, Lord, deliver me from... No, I'm not here to deliver you. I'm here to take you through. And sometimes we're disappointed because he doesn't do what we tell him to do. I think there's a lot of people who think that God is their like, page boy or their errand boy or God, do this and do this and do this. I'm God i got a better plan. It's better than your plan. You have to have, there's a thing called faith. You have to understand what I'm doing is better than what you need done. What you think you need done, that's not what you need. What you need is to follow me, to trust me. And so we call out to Jesus Christ. Did he show up? I said this like only a thousand times. I don't know what will happen for the rest of my life. But his past performance to me ensures his continual faithfulness. I'm 60 years old on my next birthday. I got saved at 20. You can do that's simple math, right, involving zeros. It's good. When I got saved, I called out to him for salvation. Did he save me? Yeah. And countless times since I've called out to him for help. Lord, I'm in over my skis. What's happening now, I have no control of. I can't do this. I can't do this alone. Has he ever left me unaided or unabetted? No. No. He's able to run to the rescue of those that are being tempted. Tempted by what? Tested. Tempted by the devil. And we looked at. we had a magnificent time. Get the recording. If you were here Wednesday night, get the recording. It was a magnificent time. Not my magnificent preaching, please. You know better than that. We looked at Jesus and Satan in the Judean wilderness, duking it out. Now, I don't want to be, spoiler alert, Jesus three, Satan nothing. He beat him like a rented goalie. I just laugh at the mastery of Jesus over the tempter. And he lays out a blueprint on how we can have victory over Satan. And it, I, it's a wonderful teaching. Like I say, not my wonderful teaching, the Bible's wonderful teaching. And I think it, it meant a lot to me. And I think I take that with me all the time and learn from it. And I call out to Jesus when I'm being tempted. Is he, is he able to help? Yeah. Does he help? Yeah. Does he deliver me from my situation? Sometimes. Sometimes he walks with me through it. And that's very important for us to know. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, isn't that amazing? Now he's going to mention somebody else who's a partaker of the heavenly calling, to wit, Moses. But before that, he's going to introduce this to Jesus again. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Now, is that confusing language, Jesus called an apostle? Was was he one of the 12? I thought he called the 12. Listen, there's more to apostleship than the 12, okay? Uh, Paul's called an apostle. There's several other New Testament people who are called apostles. Barnabas is called an apostle, okay? Um, Silas is called an apostle. So there's apostles. And I always say, I, I have an apostolic ministry in this. I'm not one of the 12. I don't write scripture, okay? It means sent forth one. You have an apostolic ministry in the sent forthness of this whole uh, uh, this whole thing that God's called us to, into. Jesus called an apostle, was he sent forth? Now you can look under sent in your exhaustive concordance, and see all the times where it appears in red letters, jesus said you know i 'm only here to do the will of who, the the one who sent me and he talks about his sentness very, very often so here we 're looking at his apostleship. He was one who was sent he 's a high priest, and we 'll talk about that more later when it develops this idea of priesthood of Jesus Christ. And his, he compared the Aaronic priesthood to the Melchizedek priesthood, and guess which one wins out? The priesthood of Jesus Christ, which is the Melchizedek priesthood. So we're going we're gonna to put that on the back burner for now. Is Jesus our high priest? Yes, he is. Consider him, he's our, the apostle of our, of our confession, the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that, was, uh, to him that appointed him. As also Moses was faithful in all our house. See, now you got to remember back, okay? The problem is when we teach Sunday to Sunday, verse by verse, we forget the whole thing. When this was written, somebody would grab it and read it end to end. That would probably be the Sunday service for the week. I think that's a wonderful idea. We're going to do that sometime. I don't know. It, it, it would just be a wonderful thing, okay? Um, here, he's, he's, remember, he's... He's talking right into Hebrews, people who have been in Judaism, and now they're running into opposition. I don't know if you've ever experienced opposition as a Christian, I, but I jest. Uh, usually, family members. What is this? Yeah, a little religion's a good thing. They tell you, but I think you're getting way too carried away, right? And they have you heard this one? Or uh, you got uh, unbelievers in your family, mom or dad or. Siblings, or and they look at this Christianity as and they, it's laughable, and you run into this, or you run into people who are religious, like in my case, and I'm not in your, f- and so they try to commend their religion why this is the favorite. Well, this is what they're running into. The, the, the author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish people who, who run into this, and think of the argument here we have a temple, where's your temple? There's an altar in our temple, where's your altar? And by the way, they're going to address this, we got priests. You get got no priests. We got sacrifices. Hey, you ain't got no sacrifice. We got Moses. What do you got? The law. We keep the law. It was delivered by angels. You got this man you're following. It's a pretty compelling argument on their part. Well, the writer of the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, he demolishes every last one of their arguments. And here he's taking on Moses. He doesn't take him on. He doesn't denigrate Moses. Neither should you. <laughs> I think Moses is wonderful. He really is the real deal. He's someone who followed God. I mean, think about Moses, right? We know his early life, and it's chronicled later on in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. We'll get there. But just think about Moses. You know, I'm just Fat, dumb, and happy in Midian, tending my father-in-law's sheep, having a good day, and I guess this burning bush talking to me, calling me by name, sets me on this trajectory, and now here's ministry for the rest of my life. But he steps up to the plate, and he's faithful. I mean, think about this, leading two to three million people in the wilderness. And you logistics guys, if you were in a service and you're, you're... Job to make sure the right food and the right supplies are in the right place at the right time? Or are you even one of the events planners for the place you work and you're going to make sure of the venue and the food and the, and the, you know, the people who are presenting show up on time? Think about trying to sustain the life of 2 to 3 million people in the, in the wilderness. Think about how much water you'd, you'd have to bring in and how much food and, and sanitation and all the things that go with that. God says, hey, Moses, follow me. Bring, bring a couple, two, three million of your friends, and let's go for this thing. And he did it successfully. He's a faithful guy who was faithful to him that appointed him as also, now that's reflecting back to Jesus Christ in verse 1, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses was faithful, not perfectly. Jesus, perfectly. But he's not denigrating. It's not the, that's, not the, that's not the comparison. The comparison is this, verse 3. For this man was counted worthy of much more glory than Moses. What man? Jesus Christ. How is he counted more, uh, of much worth more glory than Moses? Because he was more faithful? Well, that argument certainly can be made, but that's not what the writer of Hebrews says. He's counted of more, uh, of worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he... Who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. We're, we're building at my place. We're building a garage. Nobody yet said, oh, wow, your garage, you're awesome. <laughs> you, who does that? Who goes to a house? We love those rebuild shows where you rebuild the house and all that. What's that one that you like all the time? This old house is one of them, yeah. You can't come over it, neither can I. It's still want Magnolia people there with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Anyway, they come and they renovate these houses and stuff and make them gorgeous and beautiful. And the reason and they're very wealthy because they can do that. And more power to them. I'm not jealous. I think, you know, workman's worthy beside. That's great. Houses don't build themselves. And Moses doesn't live in a house, by the way. You understand house is a metaphor. Moses doesn't live in a house. He's out in the, Judea, he's out in the wilderness in the Sinai uh, desert, Right? He doesn't live in a house, he lives in a tent. So when it's talking about his house, it's not talking about a wood structure, okay? It's talking about, we would use the word house and dynasty, but it's not even that. It's a house, his household is probably the best word, okay? Now Jesus is, he's counted worthy than more honor than Moses in as much as he who hath built the house has more honor than the house. We're talking about the house of Moses. Faithful, good guy. Every house is built by some Man, in italics, by someone is the idea, but he that built all things is God. Is this a, again calling Jesus Christ divine? Well, yes, it is. That's only incidental. That's not where we're going here. But just again, one of the many, many hints in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Every house is built by some man. He that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his houses, a servant, for a testimony of those things which were spoken after yeah, Moses was the real deal. He was good. He's not denigrating. He's not saying Moses blew it. Moses is a bad guy. No, Moses is a good guy. He was faithful. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast, the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Okay, you like Moses? Great. Moses is a faithful guy. You like Jesus? You follow Jesus? Jesus isn't, He doesn't have a house. He's a builder, and we're the building is what, what, what's being said here. I, I like the argument. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto them, because there were those Hebrews who were turning away. Hey, does anyone ever know a Christian or supposed Christian? Don't make a, we're not making a judgment here. Okay, I'm not, we don't know anyone's heart. Does anyone know anyone who has looked like they're faithful to things of God and now aren't? Anyone know anyone like that? How can that possibly be? <laughs> it almost seems like the majority sometimes, huh? Now, what happened? Well, I don't know. Well, you know, autopsy each and every person who, who leaves. I, I don't know. Well, you know, where they say they lose their salvation, where they never really say they went out from among us because they were not of us as we look in for I, I don't know all those answers. I know that some people, they come out like a house of fire and they're serving the Lord. And every time the, the doors are open, they're, they're faithful in the things of the Lord. And then they kind of little by little, they kind of fall away. How does that happen? Well, you know, the, the four soils and the, you know, the weeds choke out the, the life. and uh, you know, A lot of reasons, okay? But there are people who have been faithful to the things of God and then they're not. But Christ is the Son over his own house whose house we are. We are the house of God. And that's not the only time it says that. Hey, does it, do you know how many times in the New Testament it says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Seven times, funny, funnily enough. And it talks about this idea, you know, in First Peter, we're the living stones that make up the house. Um, many times this idea, seven times in the, in, in the New Testament this idea is given. We don't go to a church. We are the church. We don't, it, okay, there's a building, that's great, but this isn't a church. This is just a structure. It used to be an antique mall, and then it was a batting cage, and it was a jujitsu place, and it was a lot of things, but it was never a church, okay? It's still not a church. It's a place where the Church of Jesus Christ meets. Oh, I like it. Thank you, God, for blessing us with this, but this isn't a church. And I always try to remind us, because you know what it is? The problem with the church is you, <laughs> and the problem with the church is me. I mean, can we say that? Because we always say, oh, that church, uh, look in the mirror. I mean, that church is, is you. That church is me. And the problem with the church is the problem with us. Uh, I just, just I, I was just in the area, okay? I thought I'd kind of hit and run while I was there, right? <laughs> Christ as a, 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 Christ, has Son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope unto the end. Hey, you Hebrew Christians, don't turn around. You're, you're, you're on the winning team. Don't go back to that old stuff that you used to know. And we can say the same thing to Christians today. And that's what he's saying. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. I like the fact that the Holy Spirit, you know, when you come to the Lord, I want you to, okay, wait for your next birthday. And then get saved, and the, it's never anything like that. We always say, "Today's the day," right? Because that's how the whole—we only live in today, and we only have that—the the moments that we have, the ones that we're living in—is the ones that we can make choices. And, you know, we say, "Well, tomorrow I'll get saved." Tomorrow never happens. You can just wait till midnight and wait for the day to flip over, and and when the, the next day when at twelve and one second, it's not tomorrow. It's today again, and you're always making that today. You know, I, my, wife, my wife and my, we don't get along real good. Someday, I'll straighten that all out. Not someday, today. I mean, uh, uh, how, how much longer do you want to live in sin? Well, the Holy Spirit's saying, come on, right now. We'll make, if you hear the voice of the Lord, if, if the Holy Spirit's talking to house, if today you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Can you harden your heart? Oh, my goodness. Now he's, got, he's making a comparison with Moses in kind of a roundabout way. There's a lot of followers of Moses, oh, two to three million. How many people did he take into the promised land? Well, he didn't even go himself. Moses, and I want you to understand something. Moses is a picture of the law, okay? The law came by Moses, it was told in the Gospel of John, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What's the difference? The law can't take you into the promised land. You know, I almost think like poor Moses, the fix was in before, he long before. If he's able to take the children of Israel into the promised land, it looks like law wins. And that could never happen. What happens? Moses dies, and what does he die of? Because in Deuteronomy, it tells us his, his natural force wasn't abated. His eyesight didn't dim. He's 120 years old, and he dies of what? Death. (laughs) <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not dying of old. Because the, the, the law never gets old. It never loses its vitality. It's kind of a shame. It's always, it always has as much bite as it ever had. Moses can't take you to the promised land. What happens? He dies out. And then we have this new hero arise, Joshua. Some of you will understand. His name is Jesus, as we would say. Does Jesus take us into the promised land? Yeah. What's the promised land? I know we have old folk spirituals and River Jordan is is deep and wide and cold and all that and, you know, land of honey on the other side. Crossing Jordan is not a picture of dying, go to heaven, even though some music would have us think that. It's not. When they go when they cross the promised land, you remember there's giants in the land. There's battles. When you cross on over to the other side, right? When you die and, and cease from operating in this world and you operate in the next world, you think there's giants? <laughs> you think you got battles to fight? You think no. Crossing Jordan, being in the promised land, is laying hold of all the things for which Jesus Christ laid hold of us. It's I'd call it victorious Christian living. I'd call it the spirit-filled life. I'd call it what, and can Moses take you there? No. If I follow enough rules, am I going to be (laughs) spirit-filled? No. No. If I keep the law, does that equal spirit-filled? No. Will I have victory in keeping the law? You'll have an orderly life. It won't be horrible and full of chaos and Law is good. We never speak against the law because Romans never speaks against the law. The law is good if a man uses it lawfully. Well, how do I use the law unlawfully? Like some people use it. Like most people use it. Like everyone you know who's not born again uses it. Well, I'm a good person. What are they saying? I keep the law. I keep my own law. And I've done more good things. I've kept the law more often than I've disobeyed it. And when God will weigh it out, he'll Count me where they've heaven because I've kept, well, maybe not his law, but my law, and good enough. And the Bible knows nothing of this whatsoever. What's going to get you there? What's going to get you into heaven? What's going to get you in the promised land right here, right now? Not the Lord Jesus, Joshua, not keeping law, although I'm not speaking against law. All things being equal, how I many of you guys think like um, adultery is a sin? Anyone? your spouse would appreciate you not committing adultery. (laughs) It's still a bad thing. And we're all agreeing agreeing on that. Now, here's the point. Will not committing adultery get you into heaven? No. There's a whole lot of people going to hell who never committed adultery, I'm thinking. Will not committing adultery give you victory over what's, what's what's the sin, the driving sin in your life right now? Well, maybe it is adultery. Maybe not committing adultery will be helpful there. But a lot of things in life, there's, there's, you're not having victory and you're not committing adultery and it still doesn't give you victory. We'll get to that. Well, I, I, I look some of my uh, faces out there and think there's a little confusion. Let me get, grab hold of where we're going. If the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. They did that in the day of provocation, in the temptation, in the wilderness. Now we circle them back to Moses. They did that. The Spirit of God was talking to them, and they hardened their hearts. Was that a problem? For two or three million, yeah, because they, they, what happens? They, your fathers tempted me. They proved me, and they saw my works 40 years. You know, I always think, people say, well, seeing is believing. No, it's not. That's silly. Where did you come up with that? You, ser- you ser- certainly didn't scripturally. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Sing is not believing, or all two to three million people would have got into the promised land. What do you mean? Oh, I don't know. You know, imagine talking to your son. Daddy, is there a God? Come here, son. Takes him to the, the tent, the, you know, the outside tent. See that big uh, cloud of pillar there that uh, we follow around uh, who, who keeps, our, uh, keeps shade on us all day long? See that pillar of fire by night? that warms us and guides us. And by the way, enemies don't want to mess around. <laughs> they don't come around mess with us why? They don't there's they, a big pillar of fire. They're like, "Yeah, I don't think I want to go over there and mess with them." That's a that's a symbol of God. You know how the bread falls from heaven? I know, son. I know you you were born out here in the wilderness, but we were in Egypt. Bread didn't fall from heaven. We get to the promised land, bread won't fall from heaven. That's God miraculously providing for us. See that rock over there? That following us around, giving us water for us, for our flocks, for our herds? It's a provision of God. The quail, the the, the, the the how about the plagues in Egypt? How about the crossing the Red Sea is on dry ground? Seeing is believing, wouldn't all these people be believers? People can see God work and then turn from it. What why what happens? Ah. Your fathers tempted me, they proved me and they saw my works 40 years. I think 40 years of witnessing God's activities enough to make a believer out of you forever. Hey. Divinity put on humanity and walked among us. What would we do? Crucified him. Don't tell me if seeing is believing. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. No, believing is believing. I was grieved with that generation, said they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. I want you to understand something. You'll know his ways by Scripture. You won't know his ways by seeing him do things. Because Scripture gives us the reasoning, the, the why, the how the, the how, the way God is. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Why? Because, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's always the issue. It's an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is evil. I've talked to people, and they've said, Well, I, you know, I can't believe what I don't believe. No, that's wrong. It's wrong. It's evil. That's why God can judge us. It's always an issue of the heart. It's never a question of the intellect. I mean, it's really not. I, I mean, it's really not. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. And the only problem we haven't come up with God is we're not finding him. We're not seeking for him. Why is that? Same reason a robber never finds a cop. They're not looking for one, okay? Okay. And I think, I want my sin, I like my sin, I choose my sin, therefore I'm not seeking God, because God's going to say, hey, that's wrong, don't do that anymore. So I'm not seeking God. So that's why I, I, I persist in my unbelief. Look, at, I've talked to hundreds of people over the years, and it always comes down to this, uh, I don't want there to be a God, because I want to do what I want to do. And basically, it usually comes down to sex, I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with. If... Uh, there is a God, I'm going to have to find my pants and act like a, not a dog anymore, and I sure don't want that. And to the honest person, that's always generally what it comes down to. You won't tell me what to do. And even a lot of Christians, okay, I'll, I'll show up, I'll throw a couple bucks in the offering, I'll even worship or whatever, but when it comes push comes to shove, God's not telling me what to do. That's a strange thing for me. And that's why I think a lot of our, uh, our belief is so, our Christianity is so miles wide and a quarter of an inch thick. He, God, you're not going to boss me. You're not going to tell me what to do. Really. His ways are better than our ways. And by the way, there's freedom on his side. In our way, it's just bondage and bondage. And bondage. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief. You can you can take heed. You can control this. This is something you have absolute positive control over. And that's why he judges us when we disbelieve or persist in unbelief. And it's evil. Okay. He didn't notice. He doesn't say. Take heed, brethren, lest any of you uh, have an evil heart of lust or anger, or fear, or... No, it's unbelief is the problem. By the way, those other things, get rid of those too. But those are symptoms. And it always goes back to unbelief. Uh, in departing from the living God, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. First is unbelief, and then the sin. Always, yeah, only in every instance... Only in every instance. My unbelief isn't going to lead to godliness. It's going to lead to sin. Always. Is God good? Yes. Is God capable? Yes. Does God love us? Yes. Does Jesus Christ run to our rescue when we call him? Yes. And here we are, and wrestling with unbelief, and mostly because we're evil, because we don't want to... Uh, you know, I I, I to Christians from time to time, don't know what their purpose in life is. Can I can I, you guys want to be bold for a second? How many of you say, I'm not really sure exactly why God saved me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw you into the bus, I promise. How many of you guys like, I'm not really sure what my function is? No brave souls. I've talked to people all the time, even Christians who are saying, like, I don't know, I don't know what my purpose is. And I always kinda think Sometimes it's because, guess what? I'm not really asking, because if he tells me, it's an incumbent upon me to do what he tells me to do. And I would, just, I would just urge you, he's good God. Oh, if I say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm, I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table. I am all in. I'm all yours all the time. Here I am. Do whatever you want. Well, um, next thing I know, I'm going to be a missionary to South uh, uh, Antarctica and uh, the South Pole, and I'm going to be a missionary to penguins. And he knows how I hate the cold. That's uh, that's how. That's Satan talking. That's not God. We think like he's like he's some. uh, he's, He's just can't wait to make us miserable. That's 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 Satan talking. No, he can't wait to bless us. He loves us. He knows you hate the cold. He knows that penguins don't get saved. He knows all that stuff that you think that is a reason for you not to obey him. No. And then sin enters in all the time. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Always. There's unbelief, there's departing, and then there's sin. And by the way, you know, chapter 2 started off with, therefore we ought to give more, the, more, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, any time we let them slip. Slip means drift away. You've all seen that. We talked about that boat going down the river that me and Sue's uh, encountered uh, this summer. What do you have to do to maintain a relationship with God? A lot of things, frankly. It's not hard. It's not really, really difficult. I, what do I have to do to maintain a relationship with my, with my spouse? What do you have to do? Things... Right What do you have to do to lose your relationship with the Lord? Nothing. The default button set on drift, and we drift, because we, we don't maintain. we don't hear from Him, we don't talk to Him. We don't have fellowship one with another. God has never designed the Christian life to be lived alone. Satan's too clever. He can pick us off one at a time if we're not in the fellowship, in the family. Uh, God has taken the solitary and put them in families. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I have this ridiculous injury that I suffered. I'm it's the worst time. And it's so humiliating. It is so. The, the, my rescue, I told you, called out for help in the manliest voice I could. And my neighbor showed up, who works for our company. She just drove into the yard. She was real impressed to see her safety man pinned to the side house on a ladder. Like a rat in a trap can't get free. Was that humbling? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was humiliating. Honey, can you cut my steak for me? Is that humiliating? Very much. She, I told you, she put a little salad dress. I didn't know if I tell you this. She put a little salad dress, a little plastic thing. I took it to work and had to take it one of the guys. Hey, can you take this off? What's your problem? I had to go through the whole story again. Was that humiliating? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's opening, he's waiting for snakes to jump out or something. Like, like, who can't open a, I mean, a kitten could do this. Yeah, a kitten could, and I can't. Is that humiliating? Yes. And I, I'm a builder. I can build this garage, except now. And God has put people in my life. It's very humbling, by the way, to help me to do what I can't do for myself. He's taken my strength away. Is that humiliating for a man? Yeah. You know what? Humiliating and humble is good. I'm glad for the season in my life where I had to be humble. It's good. Appreciate the place he's leading me. Uh, is he able to help me? He helps me not the way I want. I just want to be done this and be mighty again. He's yeah, I'm, I'll walk through it with you. you going to have to ask other people. you have to be humble. Okay, God, we'll do it your way. We'll do it his way first to last, right? And I could shake an ang- angry fist. But even when I was uh, pinned to this ladder and stuff like this, I wasn't blaming God. I was thinking, you knucklehead you. Because I did this all myself. And I just—I think that's important. I kind of got to the point in my life where like, God's God and God's good. And every time something bad happens to us, we... Do we shake an angry fist at the heavens and say, look at what you've done or what you've allowed to happen? Take responsibility for your stuff, really. So I'm dealing with a guy and I'm talking to him and he's like, I I don't know if you can help. I've been through councils before and they've never been able to help. And and I'm thinking like, okay, one, unbelief is there. And I told him, I said, I I can't. The Word of God can. I spell out the rules right from the get-go. What happened? Unbelief. Really vile sin. think God's word is not equal to whatever you're going through. Hey, 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 hey. You, it's not like you're the only sinner who ever sinned. And God, you know, I've delivered billions over the years. You, uh, you're a tough nut to crack. Nothing I can do, God says. Really? <laughs> I laugh. And people and, and people justify and like, well, I'm in a situation God can't help me out. Really, there's no sin He hasn't delivered people from. I can list them in my own life. Don't take heed, brethren, lest any of you by uh, and have an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. And we depart from Him functionally, even if we're apart from Him totally. We're still here, but we have that that like. Cynicism comes in, like, well, I prayed, nothing happened, and, and, you know, I go to church, but I don't think anything's going to be different. I don't think God's going to be able to, he can't save my mom or my sister, or he can't. Wait a second, wait a second. Isn't that, isn't that what he's talking about, an evil heart of unbelief? And you're departing from the living God functionally, if not totally. Exalt one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Hey, don't quit now. You're on the winning team. He's coming back real soon. Okay? Ain't no sense changing teams now. Ain't no sense throwing in the towel now. If you know how close you are to victory, I tell you what, if your whole life, which is a vapor that pairs for a while and then goes away, if for your whole life you hold on dearly with every shred of your strength, and that's life well spent. You're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be, as the, as the psalmist said, don't let me be ashamed. You're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to be all shame-faced. Oh, I worshiped the wrong God. No, <laughs> that's ridiculous. When are you going to start this new change? When it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. They didn't believe, they didn't believe, they didn't believe, they had every reason to believe and they didn't believe. I tell you, I, I got to tell you something. Even as Christians, I think God, he'll deal with us, he'll deal with us, he'll deal with us, he'll deal with us. And we just sit there like, you ain't, I'm just, and he'll say, fine, you want to be that way? And he'll confirm us in our hardness of heart. He'll, his mercy are new every morning, right? I think it's a place we go where my spirit won't always deal with men. That makes me really afraid because I don't want. I want you. I want you to pray for me. I mean, all the time. God, Adam, <laughs> i But he's what we got. He's who you gave us, and bless them, Lord. Give them something. Give them something help them out. Give them health. Give them strength. Give them blessing. I hope you do that. I never want you to pray, Lord, Adam. Uh I remember when he was faithful. I remember when he loved the Lord. I remember when he talked to us about the things of the Lord. Now look at him, Lord. Far away, reprobate, marriage sideways. His life's all upside down, and he's in a really horrible place. I don't want you to ever pray for me like that. So I have to listen to the Lord every day. I have to keep my stuff in check. I have to make sure my heart's not hardened. I'm just like you, just like you. I can let cynicism get there. I can let disbelief enter in. Satan is trying to destroy our lives. He's, he's steal, kill, destroy boy. Remember, he's not ambivalent about our spirituality. He's not ambivalent about our, he's, uh, uh, he don't care if we follow God, if we're all in or not. He doesn't, you know, he cares tremendously. He's like, like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour us. And here, scripture clearly says, if, it's, if today you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. They did that in the provocation in the wilderness. How did that end up? And that's a lesson to us. Hey, Lord, I want to inherit the promised land. Come on, bring on those giants. I'm, I'm Caleb, I'm Jacob, I, uh, Caleb, uh, I, I'm uh, uh, Joshua, Caleb. I, I'm one of the two. Uh, bring it, but I'm following. As far as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the way it's going to be. I don't want to be one of the many. I don't want to be one of the also rans. I don't want to be hard-heart, dying in the wilderness. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Where been, I can say that again and again and again. I think we've covered that. But with whom was he grieved? Forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? The, I don't want my carcass to fall in the wilderness. And And to whom swear he that they should not enter his rest, but to them that believed not? To them that acted out? Hey, I understand sin. I understand pornography. I understand sex sin. I understand anger issues. I understand lack of forgiveness. I understand all that. I don't understand hardness of heart. I don't understand disbelief. I mean, I understand it, but, you you know, whatever it is that's dogging you, the Spirit of God is given. Forgiveness is given. Mercies are new every morning. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I understand sin. I understand how that works, okay? I'm not condoning it. I, I've said this only a billion times. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Satan makes it. Looks like it's all wonderful. And it's never. And he never delivers on his promise. He's a liar. God never lies. Here, yeah, righteousness. If you're righteous, you're as bold as a lion. You, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about here? Bold as a lion. And by the way, when uh, th- this is a good test. I'm thinking like, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? Like I was, I, I give you an example of like a lottery ticket. And like, I think it was like, it, okay, the story's a little old now. Probably about 10. No, it's more than that because I was going to Calvary Chapel in Bangor. So I'm thinking like 12, 15 years ago. And I was thinking, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. I was going to reach about. Uh, yeah, I want one of the and I was going to buy a lottery ticket. Now I was buying a lottery ticket a sin. How many of you guys think? I think buying a lottery ticket a sin. Go ahead, you can vote. None of you think buying a lottery ticket of sin? Okay, Sue's kind of does. Sue's is tighter than bark on a tree with a dollar, so she's kind of like, but I'm, should I buy a lottery ticket? And at this time, I think we'd had a Bible study, and we were kind of starting up and stuff like this. And the first thing I did when I was going to buy this lottery ticket, is I looked around, see who was there. Why did I do that? Oh my goodness. Uh, Bill, that was a rhetorical question. (laughs) I I love the fact that he just let's state it outright. Let's leave nothing uh, ambivalent. Why did I look around? Because I had a a sense of guilt. A sense of, "Hey, hey, listen. I don't look around before I pray. I don't look around before I read my Bible. I'll look around, see who's looking before I serve the Lord before I talk about, uh, th- you know, share things i the Lord. I'm not, I'm not looking over my shoulder to see who's going to see me. When I'm skulking, and that's what I was doing, I said, no, 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 no. And by the way, I didn't buy the ticket, okay? I saved a buck, yay, or uh, two, or 20, they go on. It's ridiculous now. I see someone going there, $50 later, they come out with a fistful of tickets. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who can afford that? Not me. Anyway, be that as it may. And so, because I'm thinking like, hey, listen, when I'm living for the Lord, I'm bolder than a lion. When I'm not, that's when I start looking over my shoulder. And and the Bible says that the that the the, the sinful, they run away when nobody's even chasing them. Oh, who wants to live that life? No, I like bold as a lion life. I like righteousness life. Uh, but whom was he grieved forty years? It was not them whose sins who who had sin, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter his rest, but to them that believe not now he 's going to have a lot to say about rest, okay, and he 's introducing it here, and chapter four, look at verse one, and we 're not going to chapter four, okay, but i 'm just introducing let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it so now he 's going to talk about entering into his rest, and here he 's just introducing us. Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Because of sin? No, we always want to talk bad about sin. Good, it's not good for you. But the problem is, the problem in, in among the unbelieving community is unbelief. The problem in the church is unbelief. Oh, the problem in the church is sin also. But sin is because of unbelief. I don't believe you, God, that I can... I can mess with this, and my sin won't find me out. I don't believe you, God, that this is sinful. The problem is unbelief, and then the sin comes all the time. Hope I've demonstrated that here this morning. If I've done nothing else, unbelief equals sin. It's, it's sin all on itself, and it always leads to depraved and wicked place. God, I don't believe you can deliver me from pornography, from lust, from fear, from unforgiveness. I don't believe you can do it. He's like, try me. Oh, try me. You will so see I'm equal to the task. Let's stand, let's pray. And uh, our worship uh, team will send us out of here in song. Lord, uh, you know, a group of people this size, bound to be some here who are struggling with unbelief. Well, help us to, as it were, throw caution to the wind, take that leap of faith. It's not a big leap. At the end of the day, Lord, what is it that you can't deliver us from? Or that you won't? Lord, if we choose sin, we're choosing sin to our own detriment. If we choose to to keep going on and on in unbelief, that's to our own detriment. And your your voice is clearly, your word clearly says, If today you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We don't want to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, Lord. Make our hearts tender and make the choices that we need to make here this morning, choices of belief in you that bless your heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcast and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want, how oh dear, I count it all as loss. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out.